Welcome to Tangential, a podcast where we talk about random stuff and go on tangents about them. I'm your producer, Shreya. I'm Raph. I'm Paul. Cool, let's get it. Yeah, Uh, so let's see. Uh, Oh, what was on the board? Uh, Major key. Major keys. Uh, I forgot what those keys were. (laughs) There was... um, uh, did we do pockets? Am I right? Yes, we did. That we was did. last episode. <laughs> we have done pockets. Am I right? Should we do a pockets? Am I right? Every right. episode. <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. Right. Um, um, actually, I forgot what was our major keys though. One was Raya, the dating app. Or oh like, yes. The exclusive dating app. Okay. Yeah. But you know what? Um, all dating apps are like that. Really? Yeah. So here's yeah here's like the context is that I have no idea about. I've been together with my wife since like before dating apps were a thing. So, how did I you meet your wife? We just worked at a summer camp together and just hung out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's it. We were together. That's it. That's it. How did you ask her out? Or was um, that was that even a thing? I think she asked me out probably. Oh. Oh. Like it was okay. like very clear that I liked her, and then she was like, "Yo, this guy's moving too slow." She was like, "Do you have something to say to me?" <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I do." um yeah okay that's how that was so what was your what was your official date was it at the summer camp no we like we went to watch uh rush hour three and then like uh, (laughs) we took a really long walk and um sat in a barnes and nobles for a little bit nice people watching or just talking just talking where was this all in queens yeah it was a summer camp in queens yeah what was the summer camp what was the theme of the summer camp it's like uh, it was at my church, so it was just um, church summer camp. Church summer camp, essentially. Yeah. So Bible study and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a very Christian first date. I mean, it was we Rush were, Hour Three and Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> I was al- I was also like seventeen, so that was like way above budget. Seventeen. You met your wife when you were seventeen. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's been a long time. Now I'm more than seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's amazing. So what's the secret? What's the secret? Yeah. The, the secret is um, just I don't know. Work things out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, yeah, there's. It's like I don't know. It'll probably be bad a lot. Really? You just yeah. Like as it goes with any relationship, like you know, it's just hard. Two people dealing with each other, so you just have to like. You just have to be willing to like. I, I always say like, it's what like you have to be committed to being committed to each other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's very meta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, it's one thing to say I'm committed to someone, but then, you know, like when things go poorly or it's like, uh, you know, this they all of a sudden they have this habit that I realize like really bugs me. It's like, yeah, if you're not committed to being committed, then it's like, uh, you know what? Maybe I could, maybe I could do something else. So a person of the same organization that you may or may not know recently told me that, um, uh, so this person asked me, uh, like, how long have you been with your girlfriend? Okay. Okay. I said, more or less a year. And then he's like, oh, um, you're still in the honeymoon phase. Do you agree with that assessment? I mean, it really, it really depends, like. Yeah, I don't know. I think it really depends on the relationship. So did the uh, honeymoon phase end when you were 19? 
I, I mean, or are you still in the honeymoon phase right now? Nah, we have a kid now, so the honeymoon is like most certainly over. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe that's when it ended, but yeah, I, I think like the beginning of our relationship was probably harder than like later on. We just like we just like didn't know what it was like to be you know to like have to consider someone else uh, like all the time. Especially when you're so young. Right, especially when you're young, it's like you live your whole life very selfishly, and all of a sudden it's like oh, I gotta think about this person. Um, so yeah, probably like the first three to five years um, were, were hard, super hard. Uh, and then after that, we kind of figured out how we work together and it was like, oh, actually now this is super easy. Dude, uh, so I went to a wedding. Uh, okay. It was my college friend's wedding, but the bride's sister had been with her boyfriend uh, since the third grade. The third wow. grade? That's yes. commitment. It was nonsense. I was like, <laughs> what? That's not even true. Like, how <laughs> yeah. can that even be? Yeah, how can that be? <laughs> yeah. But they were, like, officially or unofficially, you know, like, I guess they were just playing around. Sure. With boyfriend. I think they broke up in between. Sure. Um, but then, yes, for roughly all of their lives, they're probably, like, 30-something now. Yeah. Uh, they've just been together. Um, yeah. And some of the things that people were, I mean... I think, like, people change so much, like, during that time frame, especially from, well... Oh, like especially all of like your change, Yeah, All right. of your change happens between, like, third grade and now, right? Right. So, um... So people were like, you changed so much over the years. Like, how did you, like, kind of... But they must have just, like, grown together. But right? you grow together. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Is like, is eventually, like... Right, you're, you're different... Like, I'm a different person than I was when I was 17. But, like, we've grown together in that way. So it's like... And, and like day to day, you don't see those differences necessarily. But do you feel that uh, you would have grown a different way if you weren't with her? Oh, one thousand percent. I'm I'm a yeah. better person because I was with her. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess sure. that's the risk you take, right? Like you just don't know how people are going to change over time. Like in your case, it happened for the better, right. but there are a lot of cases where it doesn't. Yeah. Um, that's true. Such is life. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that coming from, Shreya? Oh, I'm just saying. Just generally. <laughs> yeah. And I heard something interesting on the, like, there's a Radio Lab podcast series mm-hmm. um, on GoNets. Okay. <laughs> and, Where is um, this going? I'm intrigued. And there's a, so this has something to do with, like, uh, I guess, like, growing, right? And the type of person you, you become. Um, and I guess there's a series of, like, um, genes that obviously they dictate whether you're a male or female. Right. But those genes are always active in your body. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's always, I guess, in your like gonads, both males and females have gonads. So like when they are, um, as they're like replicating their cells, uh, they're continuously producing like male and female cells. But there's a set of genes that kind of monitor that and express like, okay, like uh, if you're a male, then like only let male genes like kind of like replicate, but other like female genes, it's just like swats away. It's just like, okay, no, th- this is not what we are, right? So like there is like regular gene. There's a system of like regu- uh, I guess that regulates that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then like the the thing that the podcast was podcast was saying like there's actually another thing that's growing within you, right? That's like kind of wants to branch out, but like your genes are kind of like mitigating. Interesting. That. So um, I thought it was tangential to what we were talking about, like Damn. how you grow, right? And yeah. from the very beginning. Um, we're trying to grow into like different things, yeah. male or female, uh, but then eventually we choose uh, 
your body chooses one or the other, right? Or sequence of, sequence of events choose one or the other, for the most part, I think. Wow, fascinating. All right. <laughs> Sorry. No, that was, that was dope. We could take a sharp turn into a different topic. Sure. So, I recently came back from my trip. Uh, it was the first time I'd actually traveled with my mom. Um, it was a trip to, we did South of France and Paris. So I thought it was interesting how, basically we have nothing in com- not a lot in common. Sure. Like I'm in tech and she's a watercolor artist. So oh. it's like we have completely different interests, but we just worked so well together. Um, and we were just really good travel partners. Um, like, have you guys had that experience when you were traveling with your, I guess, like significant others or friends? Or what's it been like for you guys? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, travel for my wife and I is like, I don't know if there are many other people I can travel with. Because we, we're like, if we go, we, we like, A, we like going into cities. Um, like, beaches are boring. Mm-hmm. We'll just get, we'll get worn down in like three days. Um, but we like to go to cities to like experience kind of what that city is about, what the history is, what the culture is, what the food is. And um, the, way we, the way we go about that is like we'll map a few places um, and then we'll have like two or three agenda items for the day, but really like anything else that happens between that is like just freestyle. And I, I really like traveling like that. And um, she, like she's the same way. She's just like, yeah, we're gonna go see this museum, but like wherever we walk in between like the hotel and the museum is just like, if we see something cool, then we'll just check it out. And it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the way I like to travel. And, and it just, yeah, that works. The way it works for me is, uh, so my girlfriend used to be a flight attendant. So oh. she's like, traveling is like very natural to her. So like, but for me, it's like a big deal. I'm just like, oh, I got to pack all the things. <laughs> and like, yeah. my suitcase is giant, but hers is like, like very compact and yeah. like well packed. Um, but then like, uh, it's really interesting because like, I'll just like, randomly as the trip is coming up be like oh i might want to do that i want to do that and then um she like kind of remembers all that and then like she kind of like guides us in a way that she's like oh remember you want to do this i'm like yes i do remember (laughs) let's go do that thing uh so she like um i don't know if if it's just uh, if it's like her experience of traveling yeah or just like keeping track of like uh, everything that i said (laughs) uh like we just kind of like naturally get gravitate toward the things that we want to do which is very nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like what you guys both said are pretty good strategies in that you have stuff planned out, but you're also willing to adapt your traveling schedule. I feel like that's how my trip went. Even other trips I've done with friends or, or solo, I feel like there are also like two extremes that I've seen where people just want to plan things out of the wire, and then the other extreme, which is where, oh yeah, I'll just show up in this destination not knowing anything about it and then all of a sudden you get your wallet stolen or Sounds bad. pickpockets oh yeah speaking of which pickpockets they were a big deal in paris um i think in europe in general but um yeah we were just approached by these random ladies uh carrying clipboards wanting us to sign petitions um then later i read online that it's a classic scam um and I remember you, Raph, went to Italy a while ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had experienced anything like that, where just suspicious characters were hanging around you, or was there anything you had to be aware about? Yeah, I feel like... Safety? So in Italy, there's, like, a ton of um, tourist attractions, and essentially, like, what'll happen is there'll be, like, a bunch of people, are, like, 
in the vicinity of whatever museum you're at or um, like whatever famous statue or piazza. And uh, there's just like a bunch of people like selling selfie sticks and whatnot. But then, yeah, like among those people, there's always like other like shady ones. Um, so I heard like even the tour groups are like super shady. Really? Or like they're super territorial. I believe That's what that. I see. Yeah. Because they're like, uh, they have like certain areas where um, they're allowed to like promote their tour. Oh. And then, yeah. So like if you, but if you step over a line, then like it's, a, it's another person's territory. And I would be surprised if that had um, kind of like an underworld element to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the like underworld the tour, of the, uh... the tour guide system is handled by the mob. <laughs> I love those tours, by the way. That was, like, how we did so much of Italy, was just, like, signing up for the tours. It's just nice to have someone explain stuff to you. Oh, yeah. I used to be, I used to be the, the dude who would, like, go into museums and be like, oh, art, I don't get it. <laughs> and I'm, like, walking around for three hours talking about how I don't get it. And it's like, all right, we're, like, maybe it was funny to me the first time, but really I was just being a jerk the rest of the time. <laughs> um, but then you, like, yeah, like, when you have someone who actually has the context and explains it, it's like, oh, this is actually super dope. And um, yeah, it was just like a big, this is a major key for me in terms of uh, traveling in Italy. Yeah, I took a tour in Amsterdam. Uh, it was like the Hooker's Hashish and Hoodlums tour or something like that. It's um, a great name for a tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, learned a lot about like those illicit industries and how they kind of flourish in Amsterdam. Uh, like for example uh, the sex trade industry is like very highly regulated there yeah so like um, it's there's like a very like it turns out uh, there's no concept of like uh, those workers like working for somebody they're all independent contractors and they lease they're essentially leasing space from um, I guess the proprietor or the owner of uh, that house or whatever um, yeah that all that is regulated so like they can't I, I don't think they're even allowed to take a percentage of their income it's just like they're supposed to charge like a flat fee, and then oh. yeah, that's all like regulated by the government. It's it's interesting. I I heard a talk once about about sex workers and how like having it be an illegal thing in America is like really dangerous for the, for like people who actually want to do that um, because essentially like there's no one there to protect them, and like if they like it's like hard to go to the cops because it's like you're doing you're technically doing an illegal thing. Right. Um, but you know what? What else I also learned was like, uh, weed is still technically illegal. No. Yes, everybody thinks it's legal, but it's te- still technically illegal. So much so that uh, all of the cafes, like those weed cafes, uh, they're not allowed to buy weed. It's like, it's illegal, but uh, it's just never prosecuted. So the policemen, uh, they just like they just choose not to prosecute those uh, those laws. It's all decriminalized. But right. yeah, uh, they actually buy from illicit sources. Um, oh, yeah. But then when they sell it, they have to like claim the uh, what is it? Uh, the taxes on their revenue from what they sell it. So it's like this weird like you know turn the other way like thing that the government does. But it's tech. It's still technically illegal. In I, Amsterdam. I never would have guessed. Yeah. 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 That's uh, but that's a lot of the the growing pains. Um, that uh, what is it like the some of the states that are legalizing weed are right. going through is just like the financial infrastructure of like how they're gonna allow uh, like weed. So like I remember um, for the for the longest time when Colorado first legalized weed, they were not allowed to use uh, banks. If oh. you're like yeah, if you're like a weed dispensary, you're not allowed to use like because I something to do with like uh, you couldn't use like 
FDIC insured banks or something like that. Like it was a something about like the banks and like how your business had to be like sanctioning like a legal entity, I guess. So for for whatever reason, they were not allowed to use like actual banks. So they had to actually to pay their taxes, but because Colorado was still tax them on their revenue, right? So they had to like carry out these giant bags of cash and like walk up to like uh, whatever government house to like uh, to pay their taxes. And as a result of that. Um, like the security industry in Colorado also like bloomed because oh, like right. people were carrying around from these, these dispensaries like giant like bags of cash and like people knew it so like they became targets for like people yeah. they want they want to like rob them so like yeah there was a yeah that was interesting interesting like how still that element of like when it was illegal still is like happened when it was legal I don't know yeah so just send some pickpockets from France to go over to Colorado and. Uh, See if they can. Yeah. I don't think it's like that anymore. Like oh, I think, okay. um, yeah, they they figured all that stuff out. But um, yeah, when it, when they first did it, are we in ten minutes? I think so. All right, that might be a throwaway episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>